Welcome to Listen by Jean Ginsberg. This audio experience and podcast is all about social media, digital marketing, entrepreneurship, and interviews with top entrepreneurs in the digital and social space. I'm your host, Jean Ginsberg, digital marketing expert, number one best-selling author, and award-winning entrepreneur. I will be sharing with you strategies, tips, and tactics on how to grow your business and your social media following. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, Jean Ginsberg here. Welcome to another exciting episode of Listen by Jean Ginsberg. And I have a very special guest today, Mike, Michael Keplinger. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Jean. Thanks so much for being on the show. This is great. Um, so usually the first question I kind of put want to put things into context for our audiences. Tell us about your background. I have, well, um, uh, background in a very technical role. I went to school for computer engineering. Um, uh, my business partner today, we've been a business partner for 20 years. I uh, met him in an early career, but uh, after leaving that, we, we launched our own consumer uh, health foods brand. Uh, it's uh, some products that are actually still sold today. Uh, we own and manage that brand, but our primary business is a consumer package design agency. Um, I went back to school uh, and in the, unexpectedly really uh, got attracted to marketing from primarily probably a consumer behavior, consumer psychology perspective, and uh, came back and really was working with the same business partner more in a kind of side-by-side -side in a marketing capacity. And you fast forward today, and I think that really helps explain how uh, we landed with our agency. Uh, neither of us are designers, but what really uh, what we are are idea people and, and really putting a winning and a product that sells on the shelf and just understanding um, and finding those ideas to bring forward. And so my, my work at Smash Brand is to uh, lead our strategy. And, and what we do uniquely really is everything that we put to the put, uh, are going to put on the shelf. We're going to run it by uh, target consumers, get validate and, and really reduce that risk and find that winning combination of uh, what's going to be successful on the market. Right. Awesome. So, so tell us more about the company. So what, um, what kinds of brands do you usually work with? Um, what is the challenge that you're solving for them? So uh, as a, and you know, with, with a technology background, you know, we've probably worked on every industry there is, but I think more recently uh, we uh, find a lot of um, success and really like working with consumer products. These are products, physical products that are on the consumer shelf. And the shelf today is very, um, you know, means a lot of things. It, and, and certainly many of the products we work on are on retail shelves like grocery and drugstores, but many for Amazon and, and a lot of e-commerce. But um, that's a very crowded space. And it's also a space in today's marketplace where we've trained our ears and eyes to ignore advertising. And a lot of which what you focus on and really in activation and digital strategy, it's about connecting with the consumer and not just pushing um, what you're doing. But when you think about, and so those things all translate also on pack. And so what we do is really try to mirror up the, the white space in the market, which is a, you know, the, the cross section between the consumers, the trends, um, the com competition and, and your unique thing that, and bringing that forward into kind of a, a winning strategy. And so it starts with strategy and that goes into, into design and executing that in as a combination of visuals and, and messaging and, and putting that in a simulated space in front of consumers to see what works, what doesn't work. We learn a lot from that and go into multiple rounds to, to really get that winning, winning recipe. We love working with brands um, that are 
um, either starting out or mid-market, um, although we do work with large brands also, but we, we have the most fun with those ones because they're willing to take more risk than just the big brands are really willing to do. And that's where our big ideas, what we really like to bring forward. And, and we can you know create some confidence around that because it goes in front of consumers and they say, oh, this is going to actually work. And they get comfortable with those ideas. But those tend to be um, where we see a lot of success and we have a lot of fun working on those. And just to make it real, like, can you give us an example of like a, a recent brand? You don't have to n- n- name the brand necessarily. I'll name like, one because it was sure. so fun. To, it was so fun to work on. Um, and it's such a boring product category, canned tomatoes. Okay. And if you walk down that aisle, it's the same Hunts, Heinz, and there's a brand that um, called Red Gold, and they've been in business uh, for 60 years, a generation, family-owned business. And they just diminishing sales in such a boring category. And they trusted us with a subset of uh, a type of product, uh, which is diced tomatoes and chili peppers. And we created a, a brand new a sub-brand for them called Tomato Love by Red Gold. And it is bright. It's kind of almost just falls off of the shelf and it's just very engaging. And it uh, really took a tired industry. And um, it's something that you're like, it's interesting and fun to look at on the, on the pro on the, on the counter as much as it is on the shelf. And so it grabbed that attention and allowed to really bring forward because they, they do make some of the best tomatoes that you can find in a can. And so that was just a lot of rounds. Um, they were uncomfortable in the beginning of such a radical change in, in their branding and departure from a brand that's you know so traditional in 60 years. And so we, we had a, a lot of fun and they are seeing a tremendous amount of success um, in the marketplace. Uh, Kroger just picked them up, which they've been trying to get for the last six years. Mm. Yeah, that's a tough industry to, to get, I mean, to get into. I mean, it sounds like they've been in it, but just even getting picked up by Kroger, that sounds like, you know, six years is a long time, but probably not uncommon in this industry, right? It <laughs> is. And, you know, I know you talk and there's a there's a big spectrum on the on the branding front. And, and really what we focus on, we like to say, is really that that strategy. And then it goes into activation. And it's fun, too, for us to see that we're not owning that piece of it, but because it's such a new engaging brand. Um, it's it's notable and worth talking about and um, and to see them start to implement that into you know more of their digital marketing strategies they're they're wrapping giant semi trucks with the brand on there and so a lot of that really uh, it's all just I, it's good to see all the pieces coming together in a full marketing execution uh, for the piece that we started with on the strategy side right absolutely so we were talking a little bit offline before we started recording and we were talking about how covid actually was uh you've had seen an increase in your uh, engagement and sales and revenue for you so tell us about your experience like why do you why do you think that that this happened in terms of um you know you seeing an increase in sales into last year yeah, I think that there's an analogy. To the, the the bigger picture, and I'll get back to that, is just it's just a shakeup, right? A giant shakeup in the right. industry. And for those on for those industries and things that are uh, that got hurt from it, it's easy to see how it was so damaging. But but uh, maybe ours is a story on the other side of that, is, of where everything is just shifting. But um, we have had a larger increase in clients that are in in food and beverage and. Um, snacking and, and, and things like this. And, and as you really think through what happened, people were at home, they couldn't go to restaurants. And, and so naturally they're buying a lot more grocery and they're, they're bored of eating the same thing. So they're exploring new foods and they're, and so it created a really big opportunity for, for brands to come out to see growth, for them to also have budgets to, to spend and reinvest 
and those types of things. And I'm sure, and there are many, I mean, we all see, I can't find a, I can't find a bike uh, for sale at any bike shop in where I live. And so there's a lot of push and, and flow. And so I think that the, the lesson really is to, to, to look at what's happening and see, and while, you know, maybe your business or industry is on, on like maybe the, the negative side of that, although a lot of it seems to be coming out that um, there's always something else that is uh, benefiting from, from that. Yeah, absolutely. That's it's definitely in this uh, pandemic, there were, some companies that did well and some unfortunately not so much um we we had a really good year also because digital marketing i think same kind of similar to what you're talking about from an analogy perspective uh brands realize that you know digital transformation not something they can hold off and so this is something that they had to do pretty quickly and, and pivot so and because a lot of most consumers were online that find a way on how to find those consumers online. So we, we had a really good year too. So, um, so it's good to hear you guys um, were, were winning this year as well. Um, so one of the questions I'd like to ask our guests is, um, you know, having our audience be mostly small business owners or people looking to start a business uh, based on your area of expertise, what something that you can tell them you know, or recommend, recommend to them to take back into their business today and start seeing results, even small results. Yeah, I would say it doesn't matter if you're a service business, a, con a consumer product business. Um, we all have customers and or clients, whatever you call them. And I think that um, there's a there's a tendency today to 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 stop and try and go and and just get their attention. I laugh when I'm at the gas station and the pump asks me uh, if I would like Facebook. I'm like, there's no thought to that. And so my advice is to step back and, and put, put on the client, customer, whatever, whatever you call them, put their shoes on and walk in their shoes. And uh, there's a number of different ways to do that because every time, it doesn't matter if you're just launching or if you've been in like Red Gold and been in the market for 60 years. Um, it's a continuous thing. Consumers change and you just learn and adapt to that because um, it just is a multiplier for all other efforts moving forward is just to connect and understand um, the why, 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 like the, the root cause of why we do what we do and why we make the choices that we do, whether it's buying the service or that. So that's, uh, that's, that's, that's some solid advice, I think, is just uh, getting closer to, to the consumer and listening. This podcast is brought to you by the Digital Marketing Method Monthly Group Coaching Program, your methodology for growing your business and your social media following. Join me and my group of supportive entrepreneurs and learn how you can grow your business and your social media following, where we cover topics such as Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, email marketing, and so much more. Go to dmgroup.online, dmgroup.online. Dot online. I totally wholeheartedly agree. I mean, wherever, whatever business you're in, knowing your consumer or whatever that end user is, is, is so critical. And so often businesses um, miss that part. And it is so, it's so important because if you don't know your consumer, you don't know your end user, then you're not, whatever you're putting in front of them probably is not resonating because you're not really clear on what they want or what they need or walking, you know, a day in their shoes. Um, one of my clients who's uh, very honed in on her, uh, on her ideal target market and her end user, uh, she actually did a little exercise like when she started her business. She's like, I actually had to imagine like what would be the everyday steps that this person would take, like 
what do they do in the morning? Like, what kind of brand do they use to brush their teeth? Like, are they drinking coffee? What kind of coffee are they drinking? Like, when are they going to work? What time? What, you know, what kind of car are they driving? So it was just like every single step of the process and going through it literally like, what do they eat for lunch? What time do they eat lunch? You know, so it's, uh, it's interesting to see that. And so often businesses like, no, don't really go down to that granular of a detail. And I think it's so important to do that. And so I absolutely agree with you that knowing your target market is, I mean, that's really that what makes or breaks your business, right? <laughs> so it is, you know, I, I don't think, uh, I, I don't think that we are as as businesses and whatever we're offering or selling that we are as differentiated as we think we are. There is really true and good differentiation out there, but it's not um, it's not as prevalent as we think. And so sometimes we find, and a lot of times with our clients, that they don't have these true strong differentiators. And so the opportunity isn't really to uh, to be different, but it's to say it differently. And I think that the answers to how you say it differently that maybe resonates better. Um, it is to, to listen and understand how the consumers think about it and ultimately getting in of, of why, what's driving their reason to, to buy or, or, or subscribe or, or do all these things. And um, I think that there's a lot of really good nuggets there when you do that work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's hard to find businesses. They, businesses a lot of times think that they do are differentiated, but when you actually look from the outside looking in, it's not that differentiated. And yeah, it's, I've seen that pretty often. So it's like, how do you find a creative way to differentiate yourself from all of the other digital marketing agencies or their brand agencies right out there? Because there are a ton of them and it's, yeah, it's a definitely a challenging point uh, a lot of times for businesses. So, uh, but yeah, good point about uh, your ideal target market. I mean, that's uh, something that we uh, look at all the time and make sure that's on point. Um, so our last question is, I like to ask this one, it's kind of a, a wild card, but what is your prediction for the industry? And it could mean your specific industry, you know, if you want to go down that path, or it could be self-driving cars, terraforming Mars, you know, uh, whatever, whatever, you, whatever you want to go in whichever direction you want to go or whatever top of mind for you is, you know, feel free to go down that path in terms of a prediction. Wow. Okay. Um... There's a lot of different paths. I'll try to stay semi-narrow <laughs> um, but and kind of keep them related. But I, I think that we've been on this 20, 30 year trend of globalization. And I think we're more of a nationalization now. Uh, we're seeing that happen a lot. Um, and uh, and I think that it's semi-related, but I think it was trying to stay a little more on task of, of marketing. I think that there's this notion of you know, back when we had uh, radio and 13 channels and we had this mass market and everyone had this, um, we could direct their attention, we could grab their attention and basically force feed them whatever we wanted to tell them. And uh, as we've moved out and it's primarily been um, happened because of technology as the enabler. And, and so there's then been this notion that, uh, like we we're talking about, that everybody must be different. Everybody must have this super niche uh, customer and solve this minutia type of problem that they have. My prediction is that that trend will shift back towards mass market and that, uh, and it stems from what I said that I don't think we're as differentiated as we as we think we are, and that we will go back a bit more to math marketing, but we'll do it in much uh, smarter ways. Um, we will, um, rather than force feeding people, we will um, figure out how to get in front of them where they want to let you allow you permission based marketing, and um, and can really all it is is there's plenty of room for a lot of products that are very similar, and um, 
and we just have to uh, be able to engage and get their attention. And, and it's really as simple as that. I really think that that is going to be a massive shift. Right. Yeah. It's a $64 million question. How do you get someone's attention these days? Right. right. <laughs> if we all could solve that problem, I think we would all be quadrillionaires at this point. Right. That's always a tough question and the tough, uh, uh, the, the tough decision to make. Right. Um, but that's a good point. I, I uh, that's an, inter an interesting um, think thought process for what's what's going to be going on in the near future. So yeah, we've had a lot of different responses. Um, someone talked about self-driving cars actually, um, and how the workforce is going to change dramatically if uh, self-driving cars are a thing in the next several years. Um, somebody has talked about longevity and how we could live to be, I don't know, 100, 200 years easily at this point. Uh, so it's been a lot of different paths that, that guests have taken. So I, I love hearing what what's top of mind for everyone. So thanks so yeah, much for I being mean, here. COVID, yeah, was, COVID took whatever you might have guessed in five years and made it all happen overnight. Yes, that's so we're, true We're too. trying to look a little beyond that five years. What's the next stuff that, you know, barring another reason that accelerates it, uh, will probably take a little bit more time. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. It's like, I always thought that some, that, we were moving in that direction that COVID went. It just happened very quickly overnight, almost maybe in several weeks. I didn't think it was going to be that quick, but I always thought like, we're all going to be online. We're all going to be on our phones. We're all going to be doing these meetings online and it's going to be a lot less in person, a lot more um, moving to online. I just, yeah, I didn't realize it was going to be that quick. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, I, grew, I grew up in San Diego and went through several huge boom cycles of real estate, uh, you know, boom bust and, and I live in Boise, Idaho now, and um, the jobs really aren't here. But what COVID did, I mean, we've actually had, it's like San, Southern California level, San Francisco level uh, home growth increase in prices. It's because they can work anywhere. They're bringing right. their San Francisco job and they're, live, they're, they're moving. And this is the trend, right? It's, Boise is just one of several examples, but people are going to move and live where they want to live instead of where the jobs are at. Yes, that's yeah, that's actually yeah, been a huge trend. And actually, I've been following Boise because uh, we I do real estate on the side, and one of the the cities that I've been looking at has been Boise and Albuquerque because they're like the bigger they're like they're the cities that nobody really thought of, but now yeah. they're like huge and booming because they're adding an infrastructure and they're allowing you know you know they're probably allowing like tax credits for businesses and things like that, and so people are moving also there because. Uh, obviously you can work from anywhere now. So it's interesting to, uh, to see that. I'm sure you're seeing that firsthand, you know, having, uh, being, Oh, I think in five years, there'll be, there'll be five more cities that are, you never heard of that are, right. you know, you know, 10 years, there's a funny, there's a funny t-shirt you see around town less so now that it's, it's a picture of the state of Ida, Iowa, but it says Idaho because, oh. uh, 80% of Americans 10 years ago didn't know the difference, didn't know the difference between the two states, <laughs> I, but we I, are, yeah. I can imagine we're on that. the map now, but there's other <laughs> places that are not yet on the map. Um, you know, we I so I live in Denver, and the same thing happened because I moved here 12 years ago, uh, right during like the you know the 2008 to recession, and same thing. Like people on the East Coast were like Denver, like you're this is like a podunk you know, cowboy town that you live in. And I was like, okay, I guess. But now everyone's moving to Denver. It's the same thing, you know, I'm sure with Boise. It's like everyone's moving to Boise now too. Um, so interesting to see that now a year later after COVID started. So, well, thanks so much. This has been a great conversation, Michael Keplinger. And last question is how can our audiences get in touch with you? 
I think two, two best ways, if you want to kind of look a little closer at some case studies of how we do some of the work I talked about, uh, smashbrand.com. Uh, if you want to reach out to me directly, probably the best way is to, to find me on LinkedIn. Pretty easy to find Michael Keplinger um, and Smashbrand. Awesome. Thank you. This is a great conversation. I love talking about brand and uh, brands in general and marketing, of course. So I uh, love having these kinds of thoughts. So thanks so much for being here. Thanks for the uh, great thought-provoking questions. <laughs> awesome.